Good morning, church. Thank you so much for joining us today. Debs and I miss you so much, and we want to thank you for your prayer and encouragement as we pray, and God willing, encourage you too. These are different times, but these are times of victory. Today is a day of victory, the day we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The resurrection is at the heart of the redemption story, a true story that separates Christianity from all other religions, a story of unconditional love to all who would believe. We see this clearly in John 3 verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whomsoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It's a story of humility and obedience. We see this in Philippians 2, verses 5 to 11, where Paul writes, speaking of Jesus Christ, Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature of of God did not consider equality of God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the parents as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Church, as we heard on Good Friday, we as Christians understand the eternal significance of the sacrificial death of Jesus on a cross. It is true that without the cross there would be no forgiveness of sin or eternal life. It was on the cross that Jesus took upon himself our sin, past, present and future, and the judgment we deserved. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of Christ. Church, without the resurrection, there would be no hope, no future, and no eternal life. It was through the resurrection that Jesus finally conquered sin and death, proving that he truly was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And that is why the resurrection of Christ is at the heart of the story of redemption, his story, a true story that began before the foundation of the world. A love story. Paul speaks of this in Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 10. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted into sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him 
we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Without the resurrection, Jesus' ministry would have ended in defeat and disillusionment. Without the resurrection, Jesus' words could not be trusted. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus had predicted that he would die and rise again on the third day. It was the empty tomb, the resurrection, that changed everything for his disciples. It transformed them from a bunch of scared deserters, disciples willing to endure opposition, hardship, persecution, and death for the sake of the gospel. This opposition literally started days after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. We see this in Acts chapter 3. A crippled beggar is healed in the name of Jesus. Jerusalem is in uproar and many are saved. And as a result, in Acts 4, we see Peter and John called before the Sanhedrin to give an account and are thrown in jail. In Acts 4, 1-13, we read that the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people proclaiming the resurrection of the dead of Jesus Christ. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers and elders and teachers of the Lord met in Jerusalem, Annas was there, and so was Caiaphas, together with John, Alexander, and the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, full with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to give an account today for the act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed. Then know this, you and all the people, it is by the name of Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus, the stone the builders rejected, has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which men can be saved. And this verse I love the most. Verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, but took note that they had been with Jesus. We see this in the life of Paul. Paul, on his way to persecute the Christians, had a radical encounter with the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus that totally transformed his life. In 1 Corinthians, we see Paul passionately defending the resurrection. He pretty much tells them that without the resurrection, living a life for Christ was pretty much a waste of time. 1 Corinthians verses 12 to 19, Paul says, If it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can many of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then even Christ was not raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses 
about God. For we have testified that, about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if the dead were not raised. For if the dead were not raised, then Christ was not raised either. For if the dead was not raised, then Christ was not raised either. And if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Church, because of the resurrection, we have hope in Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter 1, verses 1 to 5, Peter speaks of the hope, a living hope. He's speaking to the church that is under tremendous pressure, scattered, persecuted. And in this context, Peter brings a message of hope. In verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is already revealed in this last time. Church, Christ is this living hope. He is the hope of glory. We are not following a dead Savior, but the resurrected Christ, the living hope of glory. We are not following a dead Savior, but the resurrected Christ, the hope of glory. Jesus Christ, the one who promises to never leave us or forsake us, whose love never fails, who sustains us and strengthens us and never gives up on us. Church, it is Christ in you that is the hope of glory. And as a result, according to Romans 8, verse 28 to 39, for we know that in all things God works together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn amongst many, brothers, sisters in Christ. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how much more will he not also, along with him, Graciously give us all things. Who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ who died. More than that, who was raised to life. 
is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine, nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am convinced, church, are we convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present or future or any powers, neither height nor death nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Church, if we could take a deep breath and still our silence for a moment and fix our eyes on Jesus, the resurrected Christ, who is not only the author of our faith, but the perfecter of our faith. If we could just spend a moment focusing on Him, that would be amazing. In difficult times, Paul encourages us in Philippians 4, 6 to 7, that we are not to be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer, petition and thanksgiving, we are to present a request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will come as we wait upon the Lord and guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Church's love holds us. His love sustains us. It strengthens us. Jesus is the head of the church, the one who will come and wipe every away every tear and make all things new. Jesus is the resurrected Christ. He's alive and well. He is seated on the throne, high and exalted. Church, let's keep our eyes fixed on the prize. Let's worship Jesus. Let's spend time now in prayer and just thanking Jesus for saving us, for dying for us, for, being, for the resurrection. Church, we have hope in a time of hopelessness. We are the ones who are now the light of the world. We carry the light of God in us. And so, Father God, I just thank you. I thank you for your incredible love, for sending your son Jesus. I can not imagine giving my sign up for anybody else. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your obedience. Obedience even unto death and death on the cross. We thank you that you took upon yourself the sins of the world and that whoever believes in you shall not perish but have everlasting life. We come before you, Lord Jesus. We come before you, Father God, anointed by the Holy Spirit, and say, worthy, worthy, worthy are you, Lord Jesus, to receive all glory, honor, and praise. Lord Church, God bless you. Have an amazing day. Celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And allow Him to lead and guide you through these times. He never leaves you or forsakes you. And His love never fails. And He never ever gives up on us. Thank you so much. God bless you.